Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Gladiator's Den MMA. Now, if you have listened to the previous episodes, I'm usually on the ball with releasing this episode on time. But we did have some technical difficulties, and this is actually the third time I'm recording this podcast. So, thank you for bearing with me, thank you for waiting, and hopefully we can still remember what happened at UFC 287. Because that's the pay-per-view I want to talk about, and... Yeah, it's been almost a week and a half since that pay-per-view. So yeah, my memory's a little bit faded, but I'm recording this for the third time, so I should be able to fly through what I wanted to talk about. So thank you again for waiting, and yeah, if you've been waiting for the release of this episode, I appreciate it. Obviously, the big news was Izzy finally got his get back on Pereira. His, His final shot... I guess would have been this fight. If he'd have lost, I can't imagine he would have had another fight with Pereira. And yeah, everything, it was like a fairy tale for him. The finish, the celebration, the crowd was going nuts. He's finally retained the title. He's again, I guess, pushed Pereira out of the rivalry. Yeah, his mindset and his personality going into this fight was super impressive. I mean, he already lost three times to this guy ahead of this fight. Twice in kickboxing, for those that don't know. And then, obviously, he lost his title in his last fight. Now, the way he lost the title originally, being knocked out after being two minutes away from retaining, and being knocked out, it's it's always kind of precarious for the fighter to come back and fight the guy that's just knocked them out. It usually doesn't go well for them in the rematches. I mean, look at Usman versus Leon Edwards just recently. So, Izzy, I think he took five months off. Yeah, five months out, and he's already going back, going head-to-head with the guy that's beat him three times. You know how mentally strong you have to be to face a guy that's beat you three times in a row? Not only that, he's been knocked out twice, I think, in the... In the first, in the last two fights he's had with the Pereira. Yeah, I mean, he he seemed mentally strong going into the fight. In his interviews, things like that, he was super confident in himself. His coaches have said how confident he was. They had a good game plan. I mean, man, I was, I was super impressed with everything he did leading up to the fight. And yeah, I want to talk about the fight itself and how Pereira... I, I had Pereira winning the first round. Now... It was super close, could have gone either way, but Pereira looked confident as well. I mean, if you think about the 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 two fights, at least the two fights that I've seen, the one where he's knocked him out in kickboxing and the fight where he obviously won the title, Izzy was winning both of those fights pretty easily. He was coasting to a victory until the knockout. You know, it's always that famous, you're winning until you're not. So Pereira, you have to think, he knows how good Izzy is. He knows Izzy can beat him. So he also has to go into this fight strong. He mentally strong. So yeah, Pereira, he also had a game plan and it was clearly to attack the legs. Now, his leg kicks were working fucking amazingly. If you look at Izzy's reaction to the leg kicks in the beginning of the second round compared to the first, they were clearly doing a lot of damage. I think in the sequence leading up to the fight, 
Izzy's come and said he was playing possum. He, it didn't actually hurt. His leg was fucking shot. If he continued that full round, taking those leg kicks, I don't know how much more he could have gone. How long? He, how much longer he could have gone? I mean, Pereira was fighting a great fight. And if you look back at the Conorman talking to him in between the round, Pereira even says, I'm avoiding the right hand. He knows that that right hand is the danger. That's the right hand that caught him in the first fight. He knows that can hurt him. So yeah, Pereira's play, um, fighting well. He's pressing against Izzy, pushing him up against the cage where he's obviously most dangerous. He's the bigger guy. He's more powerful. He's really attacking that leg in a good way. And yeah, he, it was working until it wasn't. It's essentially the roles have been reversed. The way that Izzy was winning the fight in the first UFC fight they had until he got knocked out is essentially what I saw in the second fight but with Pereira. Pereira was winning that fight. He was doing the most damage until he got knocked out. And I mean, the way he knocked him out, Jesus Christ. The fucking way he is looking at Pereira throwing that left overhand, waiting for the opening. It was amazing. I mean, he, his plan was to get into a firefight with Pereira, who is arguably one of the most dangerous strikers in the UFC. So, He's going into this fight knowing the game plan is a dangerous one. But, I mean, it paid off. Yeah, I mean, I was super impressed with his performance, especially the way that he was willing to let Pereira get him in a firefight. I mean, one wrong move in that moment, and then he gets knocked out. And, I mean, the knockout as well. I mean, I'd be surprised if Pereira is, is awake now. There's a moment where he's asking his coaches what happened. He doesn't know. And he's stiff as a board on the ground. Yeah. And then the celebration as well gave us one of the most picture-perfect photos we've ever had in the UFC. I mean, yeah. Izzy's impact on the UFC is is underrated. There's an argument that he is one of the best mid... He is the, he, there's an argument he is the best middleweight ever. And I'm a huge Anderson Silva fan. But I think in today's society, in today's market, I guess you want to call it. Izzy is one of the fighters that actually reaches out and has support from like the younger fans, right? He's an anime nerd. He does all the weird shit. He does the YouTube videos. He's a cool guy when he interacts with the fans. He's one of a small portion of fa of fighters that has a connection with these younger like college student fans. You know, the people that are, are really young. A lot of UFC fighters aren't naturally as flamboyant and you know, as polarizing as he is. So to have someone like that as a champion is amazing for the UFC in terms of revenue anyway. He has that star power. So yeah, I think his actual impact on the UFC since he's joined is underrated. He came from a kickboxing background. His wrestling was questionable when he first started. And then the game plan to beat him was you just wrestle him, but he just got better at takedown defense. Nobody could do it. And because of the way... He came onto the scene with his knockouts and the way he got to the title. I don't think he got comfortable in his more in his more recent fights. It's just Izzy's the type of fighter where you need to bring that dog out in him. If you're gonna, you know, stay on the outside and try and outbox him, outkickbox him, he's happy to do that because he knows he'll win. So even though it might be boring as an unlocker, Izzy knows he can win those fights. But if you go in there and you try and scrap with him, he's gonna scrap, and that's what makes these fights entertaining. When people was first fighting Izzy, they thought that they could just scrap him. That's why he got these viral knockouts. That's why he had these entertaining fights at the start of his career. 
So yeah, Pereira brought the best out in Izzy, and obviously the rivalry building up to it was... Yeah, it just made the fight that much better. And, I mean, the celebration afterwards, I talk about that. He, he did the shit when he fell, um, mocking Pereira's son. Now, he got a bit of clap back for that, and I think it's fair game. I don't care. I mean, it's funny to me. I mean, yeah, he's a kid. He's like, what, 16, 15 or something like that? But, like he said, he's petty. It's fine. I mean, just adds to the story. I think it's cool. Um, yeah, so... I guess the big question now is who does who does he fight next? Now I I don't think he's gonna fight Pereira again immediately. Now obviously I'm recording this again a little bit later on than I originally did, so we have a bit more information. So we know that Pereira's going up to two oh five. So my my original point was gonna be he was moving up to two oh five because it was kind of teased that, that he was gonna do that. The only reason he didn't is because his boy uh, Glover was the champion. Now he's retired. Pereira is obviously making this huge weight, weight cut. He's going to go to 205. But I called that before he announced it. I just don't have the proof because my fucking bullshit laptop kept corrupting the file. So yeah. So Izzy's obviously not fighting Pereira next, but they could eventually meet again, which I'll get to in just a moment. So there's no clear contenders in the division. It's one of those divisions at the minute where the champion's been so dominant, he's beat everybody almost twice. There's no real top contenders outside of Robert Whitaker, but even that's a hard sell to have a third fight, I think, especially right away. Um, so the next in line is, I mean, Sean Strickland's up there, but he's just lost to Cannonier, who obviously lost to Izzy, so he's not in a fresh out. Uh, Drickus Duplessis is... I think ranked six. He's the next, the next in line that he's not fought if he wants a new challenge. And Dana said that Izzy's been hitting his phone up trying to get a fight immediately. So if he wants a fight in June, July, then it has to be Drickus, right? I mean, he's on a five fight win streak. I think they're all finishes. They're having that current, they're back and forth at the minute about real African champions. So there's a storyline to go with it. But, I don't know, I don't think, I think he's like one fight away. I don't think he's done enough just yet. I don't think um, a win against Darren Till, who's obviously been on a terrible skit, gets you a title shot. But then if Izzy wants to fight, who else can you be? It might just be one of those moments where somebody gets gifted a title shot. So other than Drickus, I think the only other fight that makes sense is Whitaker, but I don't think that's an easy sell. So I wouldn't be surprised if the UFC hold on Hold out, sorry, for a fight for Izzy and let Drickus get one more win, then do that fight, or if they just give him an early title shot. I wouldn't be surprised with either of those. Now, with Pereira, he's going up to 205, and he clearly can't just run into a, a world title shot. There's only ever been one example of somebody losing at middleweight going up to 205 and getting a title shot immediately at 205, and that was Chel Sonnen. And we all know how good he was at selling fights, so that fight with John Jones kind of made a bit bit more sense. I can't see Pereira stepping in for a fight immediately against Jamal. Now, I wouldn't be against Izzy stepping up for a fight against Jamal. We know he tried to take the 205 title away from Jan Blahovic, but it makes for a more interesting matchup against Jamal because I think Izzy has a better chance. Jamal is uh, a more of a... He's going to stand up. He's not going to wrestle, which was the downfall against Jan. Now... 
it would be a boss move for Izzy to step up and go for champ champ status again. Now, the 205 division is also in a bit of a precarious position. So, again, I think that's a long shot. That would make sense to me. That makes more sense than fighting Drakus. So, I would like to see that possibly. But, again, don't think it's going to happen. Now, Pereira, I think there's an argument for he beats one contender, he gets a title shot at 205. Because the position that the division is at currently with the light heavyweights is... Uh, Jiri is out with injury. He's clearly the number one contender, deserves to get the title shot, but we don't know when he's going to be back. Might be end of this year, start of next year. Uh, Yan and Ankalayev probably need to run that fight back to to get a clear winner to, for the title shot for that one. And then who else is there? I can't think of anyone else. So if Pereira can go up and then beat an Ankalayev or beat a Jan Blahovic, I think he leapfrogs everybody else and gets a title shot. Now, what would be most interesting is if Pereira goes up, beats Blahovic, gets a title shot against Jamal, beats Jamal, and then fights Izzy for the 205 belt. Have their UFC trilogy, their fifth fight overall, for Izzy to attempt to get champ champ. Now, Pereira doesn't have to make that huge weight cut. He has more power at 205, makes the fight a bit more entertaining, gives you a year, whatever, to you know, make that storyline a bit more interesting, that would be, that would be something. So yeah, that's my, my 50 pence on Izzy and Pereira. Great champion. Yeah, the division just sucks at the minute. Division's not, not where it needs to be. So it's a bit of a mess. They need to kind of work out who's going to fight who soon. But yeah, I think there's a few weight classes like that. I mean, welterweight... I mean, there's no clear contender at welterweight. Bilal, again, same thing with Drikas. I think Bilal needs one more win to actually deserve the title shot. Um, I, I don't agree with Colby having the next title shot at all. I don't think Burns gets it, a win against Masvidal. I don't think it's enough. Yeah. But speaking of Masvidal, obviously retired. I mean... Great place to do it. 20 years returning to Miami. Retires in front of his home crowd. Um, he came on an interview with Ariel and he said about how he just didn't have that that zip anymore. He he wasn't as natural in there. And you could see it. He looked sluggish. He didn't look as in as great shape as he was. Maybe the motivation's gone. I mean, retiring in his hometown doesn't get much better than that, I guess. But I think we got to pay homage to his run in 2019. Now... I think the first fight I ever saw Masvidal was against Wonderboy, and I was pretty impressed with him there. But obviously, like most people, he came onto my radar in 2019 when he knocked out Darren Till in London. And then he went on to destroy Askren in like three seconds or whatever it was. And then he put on a clinic against Nate Diaz. Now, for me, his most impressive performance was the one against Nate Diaz. But yeah, shout out to Masvidal. He did... I mean, he, he was one of the only fighters outside of McGregor that could sell any fight based on his star power and personality, no matter who his opponent was. I think it goes McGregor, Diaz, and Masvidal. They're like the th only three fighters that the UFC's ever had where you can stick them in with anyone. You can main event them and people don't care. They're going to do amazing numbers. So yeah, great career for Masvidal. Gets to retire in front of his home crowd. 
um, yeah, nice, nice job from, from that, I guess. Um, Burns, it was, it was impressive, but it was more, Masvidal didn't look great. So, I think Burns hasn't done just enough yet to get a title shot, but it's one of those things, like I've just been speaking about in the middleweight, in the middleweight division, right? There's no clear contenders at welterweight. Colby can get fucked, right? He does not deserve a title shot. And Leon's doing the right thing. He's sitting out. He's basically saying, put me in Abu Dhabi, give me a shitload of money, and then I'll fight him. Because he knows he doesn't deserve it. He just sells fights. And I think there's been a bit of a theme over the last year or so, last couple of years, where the rankings don't really mean as much as they used to. It's who can sell the fights. Who, who can draw the numbers, who can promote the fight. So, yeah. I think Burns and Bilal, which I have seen over the last couple of days, have been getting into a back and forth on Twitter. I think that would be a great title contender fight. My opinion is, Bilal is the number one contender as of now, but I ju- I'm, just not, I'm just not 100% on him getting a title shot based on his last couple of fights. So I think, yeah, run Burns, run Burns and Bilal. Winner gets a title fight. Jobs are good. Um, he looks great in his fight prior to this one. Um, the name of his opponent is slipping my mind right now, but he got a submission win in the first round. Now, I was expecting him to wrestle Masvidal a bit more because when he did wrestle him in the second and third round, he had you know, no problems getting him down and keeping him there. And as I, if I remember rightly, Masvidal's only lost a, like two or three by submission. His last submission loss was like, 11 years ago or something so he does have good takedown defense he does have good jujitsu but i would have liked burns to 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 lean on that a bit more he he had a bit of success on the feet burns is one of those fighters that cracks incredibly hard but yeah the fight was a little bit of a a bit of a snooze for me i think i was expecting a bit more from both i thought masvidal was going to come out at 100 knowing it's his last shot maybe he did have the retirement in the back of his mind so maybe he was just trying to get that big paycheck, see the fight through. Uh, yeah, Burns kind of just coasted. So I guess we see what happens next in that division. The next fight on the card prior to this one was Font versus Yanez. Now, I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's terrible for Yanez that he lost because he's still what twenty nine. I think Font just kind of proved that he's not at that level yet he's not at that top five level yet so it's gonna set him back a couple of years on that title run because i mean he had five fights five fight of the night bonuses or knock or you know knockout bonuses so he was on an incredible uh streak i've been hot on yanez for so long i was expecting yanez to showcase like his boxing ability and i thought he was gonna really work fun now, I don't believe Font's ever been knocked out. I was I was telling my friends, I was like, Yanez is going to be the first guy to knock him out. He's 35 now. He's been in wars. His, the damage is going to eventually take its toll. Yanez is going to be in there. Yanez is going to knock him out. But yeah, fucking Rob Font still got it at 35. Now, what does annoy me with the rankings is if there's an up-and-coming fighter, take Yanez, for example, and he's on a hot streak they put him in against a top five, top 10, something like that. If they win, they shoot up the rankings, right? 
But if the guy who's essentially defending their ranking, fighting the guy below, beats him, he doesn't go up. Now, if someone's on such a hot streak, they're clearly really good, right? They're clearly underranked. Maybe they're new to the UFC or maybe they're just on a hot streak. They're clearly underranked. You should get something from that, right? Because it just doesn't seem fair to the fighter who's risking everything, right? So Font should get rewarded with a big fight now. He should get rewarded with someone else in the top five. It, it does piss me off how the rankings work. I mean, does anybody even know who does the rankings? It's a couple of nerds in the UFC, in the UFC offices just decide. There, there's no actual like rule book that they follow. I think for anyone to take the rankings seriously... They should have like some sort of point system. You know how the PFL works? How they get points for like knockout victories, shit like that. They should have a point system. Like if you beat somebody who's like one rank above you, you should get one point. If you beat someone who's two ranks above you, you get two points. If you beat someone who's on a five fight win streak, you get points for that. So everybody kind of has something to gain going into their fights. And then it gives us like a league table, league table where we can we can have definite contenders. We can, we know where people are at. It gives people something to aim for. It's like, okay, I want to fight this guy who's ranked five because he's five places above me. I get five points. If I get five points, I'm going to go up three ranks, stuff like that. And then it kind of gives people a bit more, a bit more bargaining power when taking fights. And it gives people a bit of like stature, a bit of, a bit of something to, to showcase that you have like I I if you beat me you get all these points I'm the guy kind of thing yeah I think I think they really need to review that but again it's not something that's going to happen just my personal opinion so yeah font clearly still on top Yanez not quite there I think I think you just give Yanez back to the drawing board give him somebody else who's around the same ranking let him build a bit of confidence get back into it font Give him someone in the top five. Maybe he has one more run at the title. Something like that. But yeah. On to the next. Kevin Holland. I mean, what a performance. He, he, I can't even pronounce his opponent's name. I'm not even going to try. But he put him to sleep. I mean, he argued the, the stoppage when it was clearly, clearly out. Face down. If anybody's face down like after a punch or a kick, they should do what they do in boxing. If you're like faces on the mat, arms spread, then the fight should be over regardless. So Ponzinibbio, there I attempted it. Ponzinibbio, come on, man. I mean, I guess when every, when all the adrenaline and everything's flowing, you're a bit more, your head's not quite there, but he'll look at it back and he'll realize that he was, he was fully gone. I mean, even in the first round when Holland hit the, the back fist and put him down, I thought the fight was almost going to be done there. Now, I am one of the biggest Kevin Holland fans ever. I mean, I love his personality. I love the way he fights anyone. I love the way he's just really honest in all his interviews. I think he is he's still getting better. I mean, his his striking is one of the best in that division. He He just needs a year. One year where he just gets, you know, a couple of big fights and big finishes like he did tonight. Uh, obviously not tonight, but in the in that fight. And I think he's definitely going to be someone to look out for uh, in title contention in the next year or so. Because he's still young as well. 
I can't remember exactly. He's like 30 or something, 31. I, he can't be older than 31. I'm going to have a quick look now, so just bear with me. Super respectful doing it, but yeah, 30. He's 30 years old. He's big for the division as well. I think at welterweight, he still has the power that he was carrying at middleweight, but he's not, he's not, uh, he doesn't have the disadvantage when it comes to wrestling, which we know was a big hole in his game. So when he faces wrestlers at welterweight, they're clearly not as strong as middleweight. So he has a bit more success with that. So I think Holland's victory was a nice standout performance for him. I think big things are coming in his his career this this next year or so if he can keep it up obviously the next big fight was the opening fight on the main card and i want to talk about how chris curtis was butthurt about not being on the main card and then rosa jr was him and gaslin put on a fight of fight of the night amazing fight clearly should have been on the main card get to that in a minute but i just wanted to mention how this fight shouldn't have been opening but the actual fight of Rosa Jr., he just showed his age. He just showed his inexperience, right? If you watch the opening bell, he comes out bad out of hell, just guns blazing, trying to get the takedown. Doesn't manage to get it. Gasses out. Almost has the choke locked in, but it's not under the chin. But he's just squeezing with everything, burning himself out, even though it's not. Because he's had these this kind of success in his other fights... He's not fought someone like Rodriguez who who's not phased by the moment. He's not phased by the pressure. He's not phased by the position that he's in. Rodriguez kept calm the whole time. I was super impressed with that. When he was being mauled, when he was, you know, in this position where Rosa Jr. was on his back, where we've seen him finish fights, Rodriguez didn't panic. He just waited like a professional. And then Rosa Jr.'s, you know, inability to to fight with, you know, I guess fight with good fight IQ with experience was his downfall. Now I'm not saying Rosa Jr. was in over his head. I think he just he he just needed to to fight a bit smarter. Now it's clearly his age, right? He's 18 years old. Now I don't think they should have fighters that young in the UFC. I don't care how old, how good you are. You should wait till they've matured a little bit. And then put them in when they're maybe like 20. Sean O'Malley came out on social media and said, take two years off. Don't even fight. Just train. Get better. Now, I think that's amazing advice. Because at 18, I mean, I remember being 18. I was a fucking idiot. Now, you're putting this 18-year-old kid in front of millions of fans who are like the worst fans ever. MMA fans are the saltiest fans on the planet. You're putting this young kid in front of a mic he's saying all this cringy stuff he's shouting out the champion he's saying all these things he's saying he's unbeatable but because he's 18 he probably feels that way he he doesn't know so he doesn't know any better so i think i don't think you should have kids that young in the ufc i don't care how good you are um i don't think it's a big issue if anything i think it's a huge bonus for him to have this this learning experience he's gonna get better it's gonna put a pin in his ego, it's gonna kind of, you know, he, he needs to, he, it was like a wake-up call that he really needed, now, the downside for Rodriguez is he, he beat this hype train, but everyone's gonna say, oh, he's an 18-year-old kid, he wasn't that good anyway, I think, based on, like, the hype behind Rosa, like I was saying earlier about Yanez, Rodriguez should be, should be congratulated for 
taking the fight. A lot of people don't want to fight these these up-and-comers because they don't have the big fancy record, so you lose against them and then it makes you look bad. I think people like Rodriguez who take these fights, who take these risks, should be rewarded. So I think give Rodriguez a good fight next. Give him someone in the top 15. He's an exciting prospect. Let everybody get behind Rodriguez instead. Now, as for Rosas, again, I don't think he should be in the UFC, but if he if he's staying in it, which he's obviously going to, then you should just give him a couple of other inexperienced young fighters. Give him someone around the same same age. Give him the 20-year-olds. Give him people that he can build his experience up against. Build, yeah, build up a bit of a win streak and then start putting him in against contenders in a couple of years. Uh, I'm just against having really young fighters in the UFC. As good as he is, as exciting as he is, I, yeah, I don't think that they should be in the UFC. Which brings us to Gaslam versus Curtis. Now, fucking hell, what a fight. I actually rewatched this uh, a couple of nights ago and I scored it 29-28 to Gaslam. Still do after watching it again. I know Curtis isn't happy because there was an accident on the headbutt. Now, he definitely has a point. If you get low blowed, they they give you time to recover. Now, the only issue with the accidental headbutt is a lot of the time the referee doesn't see it as Matt Goddard said he didn't see it in this fight in real time. Now, we have access to replays, so it's easier for us to say... But when it happens so fast, there's not much you can do about it. Now, again, Curtis is complaining, saying that up until that head accidental headbutt, he was winning the fight. And a lot of the significant strikes that he received in that round was because of that, because of the, in, during the ground and pound because of that headbutt. Now, I don't know. I think Gaslam looked great. I mean, great fight. I think both fighters' stock went up, but... Yeah, I mean it's hard it's hard to disagree with Curtis, but I think there's not it's one of those it's just an unfortunate situation where there's not much you can do about it. So yeah, I mean Gaslam looked great. It looked like the old Gaslam, the Gaslam we saw against Adesanya. He really had that dog. He really had that will to win. Now Gaslam is one of my favorite fighters because people underestimate how good he is. Gaslam could fight anybody in that division and give them a tough fight it's very rare that he just gets walked through i think the only one i can think of is hermanson where he's come out and said that he was sloppy he just got caught in a submission but gaslam is a great all-rounder fighter he's hard to finish he's going to push you to the limits he's going to yeah he's going to put a pace on you he could take a shot he can give a shot uh, he's he's he proved he's still top level especially fighting someone like curtis who's been on a bit of a streak as well so yeah, I think Gaslam's in for a big fight next. Curtis, I think he should also get a good fight next. I don't think this this fight is going to have any negative implications on his career or where he's heading. But yeah, I think his complaint was was justified. It's just one of those situations. There's not much you can do about it. He's asking for the fight to be overturned or rematch or something like that. I mean, it's not going to happen. Just take it. Just take it. Move on. Um, yeah, the last fight I want to talk about in this is Joe Pfeiffer. Now, he's an excellent prospect. He's only fought a couple of times in the UFC, but he put away a veteran of the game. Gerald Mershop is not an easy person to win, to, to get a win against. He has amazing ground game. So for Pfeiffer to keep the fight on the feet and to get the knockout was super impressive. He was patient. 
he waited for his shot and took it. And fighting anybody at that level who has that power is going to be dangerous. And not only did he put on an amazing performance, he's, he had a great post-fight interview. He was such a likable guy. And he was he, he was on Ariel's show as well earlier in this week. And again, came across as such a likable guy. I can definitely see him having star power. Someone that the fans are going to get behind. He has the skills to back it up as well. Yeah, I think it was amazing. So all in all, it was a great card. They're the main the fights I want to talk about. Because I'm recording this again, like for the third time, I have kind of summarized a lot of the points I wanted to speak about because I wanted to quickly talk about the fights that we just had over the weekend. So we're kind of getting a two-in-one episode here. But we just had the Holloway Allen card where they fought in Kansas. So there's a couple of fights I want to talk about on here. And then we'll call it a day. And first up, I want to talk about one of my personal favorite fighters, Brandon Roy Val's win against Matthias Nikolai. Now, Brandon Roy Val is such an amazing fighter for in in my opinion, because the way he fights, he has entertaining fights every single time. No matter who he fights against, the way he fights. Is, is just so entertaining. It, it's bizarre to me that people aren't behind him. And it's not that he fights because he's reckless. He's, his, his game is to overwhelm the, his opponents. And in that division, he's super tall. He's rangy. He can box. His ground game is amazing. I mean, he's had two losses in the flyweight, right? Which is the current one and two in the flyweight division outside of Figueroa. He finished Kaikara France in one of the most insane sequences I've ever seen in the UFC. And he's just finished... He's just finished one of the best flyweights in the division outside of the champion and... Figueroa and the contender. He's beaten the best guys. He, he's no joke. I think he is certainly someone that's going to be challenging for the title soon. 100%. And he has all the skills. He's just getting better. Yeah, he's amazing. Now, Bill Algio had a great fight with TJ Brown, which obviously got fight of the night. Brown arguably won the first round in an entertaining back and forth. And then Algio got the submission in the second. Super impressive. Great fight. On the main card, uh, Pedro Munez had a bit, of a, snooze, a bit of a snooze fest with Chris Gutierrez. Now, I was pissed with that fight. I mean, the fans were booing in the second and third round. Understandably, wasn't much action, but... Muniz is a dog. I mean, he's still there. He's still a tough fight for anyone who's trying to climb the rankings. So, yeah, I guess he just proved his worth again. Uh, Amzat Mursakhanov against Dustin Jacoby. Undefeated Mursakhanov added another win to his... to his, to his, his. I know he said fucking ratio then. To his record. And he looked good for the first two rounds. I mean, he clearly gassed going into the third, but yeah, great performance against someone that's that hits super hard, someone that has knockout power, someone that's been around the UFC for a while. I think if Mercer Kanov can kind of sort out his pacing issue that he had in this fight, he's he's a problem for most most light heavyweights because not only is he a great wrestler, but he was he was he hurt Jake, Jake, Jacoby like twice, three times in both of the first and second round. And he took a few good shots in the third while he was exhausted and still kept fighting. So that was super impressive. Uh, 
Now, in the co-main, my boy Billy Q got beat. I was fucking pissed. I love Billy... Billy Quan... Quarantillo, some, is that how you pronounce it? Again, if you're listening... I mean, if you've listened to more than one episode, you know our pronunciation of the fighters is fucking crap. So, you know, just roll with it. But yeah, Edson Barboza, 37 years old, he still got it. What a fucking knockout. And he was talking after the fight about how he drilled it. I mean, what a fucking guy. Edson Barboza is one of those fighters that you show people that don't watch MMA because like of how cool and how flashy he looks. He has all those viral knockouts. And then at 37, he's still doing it. I mean... He looks great at featherweight as well. He came in, he's looking fucking super ripped. I mean, he's still got it. I mean, yeah, hats off. I guess he gets another fight as well, another big fight. Because if Billy Q was to win, there's for sure he would have got a top contender. So I'm not against giving Barboza another one. Give him another shot. These these fucking veterans, these dogs showing that they've still got it. And was it Cowboy who said? Fear the old man in the game where the young, where the where the where the men die young, something like that. Yeah, Barbosa is the epitome of that. Fucking amazing fighter. Now, last fight I want to talk about is Max Holloway Ar- Arnold Allen. Max Holloway is just still so fucking good, right? Now it was a close fight. I scored it twenty eight twenty seven to Max. I gave round two and five to Allen. There's a lot of debate online about how Max's knockdown should have gave him round five, but it's not boxing. You knock somebody down, it's not an automatic win for you. That round's not an automatic win. So, Allen was winning that round, he got a flash knockdown, and he was straight back up. Now, if Max knocked him down, and he was like on the ground dazed and took a bunch of shots in ground and pound, yeah, maybe. But he clipped him with the left, and then he, he got back up half a second later. It was in the final 10 seconds of the round. So it's not like it was a decisive moment. And are we all forgetting that Allen landed that clean elbow? Just because Max has a granite chin, we can't forget that Allen was also landing damaging shots. Now, Holloway has this fucking mythical chin, this granite chin. But he takes these big shots and because he doesn't wear the damage it goes in his favor to the judges. If you're watching it from a damaged perspective and you can hear and see how good these shots are, Alan is is landing big, powerful shots. He's causing damage. It just doesn't show on Holloway's face because he's some kind of fucking magician. Now, Holloway fought a different kind of fight than we are expecting. He, he stayed on the back foot and was just kind of bobbing and weaving and letting Alan pressure him. It's normally the other way around. I thought Holloway was going to try and pressure and outwork Alan and he went for a different different game plan and it worked. Holloway's showing he's still versatile, he's still learning. He's only 31. I mean, he is he's one of the best, if not the best featherweight ever, maybe outside of Volkanovski. Now, I saw a stat the other day that the last time Holloway lost that wasn't in a title fight was against Conor McGregor, which was in 2011. 2013, sorry, 2013. That was the last time he lost a, a non-title fight, and he was seven and two going into that fight. Seven and two going into that fight, and he was 23 and seven going into this fight. So he's been around the UFC since he was a kid. I think he was four and zero when he joined the UFC, and his first fight in the UFC was against Dustin Poirier. I think his career, the wins he's had is one of the best resumes in the UFC ever, 
and he's only 31. He's hitting his prime now. I think everybody just forgets just how good he is because of how good Volkanovski is. And Holloway won the second fight. I don't care what anyone says. I've seen that fight like four times. Holloway won the second fight. If the judges gave him that fight, think about how different his and Volkanovski's careers would be right now. The trajectory that their careers have gone on would be totally different if that fight had been given to him. So yeah, Holloway, still the fucking man. Um, I don't know where he goes from here because Volkanovski's next fight is against Yair. He beats Yair, he fights Islam again, which means he's not going to be fighting for the featherweight title again this year for sure. Max has probably got another two fights in him this year. Yeah, he's like he's kind of like the gatekeeper for the title. You beat Max Holloway, you get a title shot. He's like the level because Volkanovski is levels above Max and Max is levels above everybody else. I think Alan certainly held his own. Alan certainly showcased that he is up there with the best. He's just not there yet. Now, who else is there for Holloway to fight? He's he's one of those people that's lapped the division. Like we like we've been saying today with the with Izzy. Now, I guess you just feed him contenders if he's happy to sit at featherweight. If he goes up to lightweight, there's certainly a, a bunch more good fights for him. He had that that war with Poirier at, at lightweight. Now, he, he gave everything. He didn't seem to be affected too much by the weight. Now, every time Poirier hit him, he was getting stunned. But I don't think that's because they were fighting at lightweight. I think that's because Poirier hits like a fucking truck. Every time Poirier fights someone. I mean, think back to Charles Oliveira. Every time he landed on Charles Oliveira, he was stunned. I don't think it's the weight issue. I think if Max goes up, there's a ton more extra entertaining fights for him. But I think he's adamant on staying at featherweight. So I guess he holds out for that that fourth fight with Volkanovski. The only way that changes is if Yair beats Volkanovski and then Max fights Yair again. But don't you think it's crazy as well how Yair is fighting for the title when prior to his win against Emmett, I think his last fight was his loss to Holloway in 2021. So that just shows how good Max is. The guy who's fighting for the featherweight title lost against Max two fights ago. Yeah, I mean, there's so many fucked up situations in the UFC right now in terms of rankings and who gets title shots and whatnot. But yeah. Great couple of cards, couple of entertaining fights this weekend. I've got time, might as well quickly speak about that, give some predictions. The main event is Curtis Blades, right? I mean, I saw rumors about the other fight being changed to the main event, but it's not. So yeah, Sergey Pavlovich versus Curtis Blades. Now, can Curtis Blades take him down and smash him? Yes. Can Pavlovich KO Curtis Blades in about 10 seconds? Yes. I'm going with my boy Curtis Blades. I think he's going to just shoot for the takedown quickly. He's going to ground and pound Pavlovich's face into a bloody mess on the ground and get the finish. So I'm going all in Curtis Blades. Um, Brad Tavares, I'm going for him to beat Bruno Silva. One of my favorite fighters is fighting Bobby Green. Versus Jared Gordon, obviously coming off that controversial loss against Paddy Pimblett. I think Bobby Green boxes his face off. 
Bobby Green is one of the most impressive boxers in the UFC because he's like the only UFC fighter that's kind of implemented that Mayweather shoulder roll in his defense. His movement and defense is up there, if not the best in the UFC. He fights with his hands down. He rolls with the punches. He's super hard to hit. He's evasive. He has great footwork. He has that McGregor boxing style in in mixed martial arts. It's it's crazy. Uh, what else? Is there any other good fights? I think Mohamed Usman is fighting, right? Junior Taffa. Big Taffa's younger brother. He's like 4-0, 3-0, something like that. Now... I'm not sold on Mohamed Usman. I watched, I watched um, Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, the Ultimate Fighter, and I wasn't sold on him. I thought he was gonna lose, but he just got that knockout. I mean, he was losing, he was winning, he was losing. Sorry, the opening, opening round, and I don't know. I'm just not sold on him just yet. I mean, I, I forgot who we got, who we, who we fought against. I don't have notes for this, so I'm just kind of... Was it Porga? Porga? Right, Porga, right? Yeah. He fought Porga. He he lost the first round pretty convincingly and then just got the knockout quickly in the second. Now, at heavyweight, a guy that big, of course, they can you can just knock somebody out instantly. But this guy's 34, right? He doesn't have much experience. He's had about five fights, six fights. No, I'm wrong. I've just got it up on my phone. He's had 11 fights. He's 9-2. and two. But still, 9-2 and two at like 34 years old. It's not great. Now, he's fighting a kickboxing protege in Junior Taffa. I'm going Taffa knockout. I've seen Mohamed Usman get rocked. I don't think so. he's 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 as good as people, as people think. I think he either gasses pretty quickly or Taffa just sends him to the Shadow Realm. But yeah, I've talked... I've talked on way more topics than I anticipated because I flied through my original UFC predict um, breakdown. But yeah, that's it for this episode. Keep an eye out on my YouTube channel. I've just got a bunch of lights and, and updated my camera. So I'm going to be doing some more YouTube short videos. Uh, more podcasts are going to be coming quickly. Now my setup's better. I'm more motivated. I'm going to work a bit harder. I'm going to get more weekly. I'm going to try for weekly episodes. So keep an eye out next week for this weekend's UFC breakdown. Um, I've been in touch with a couple of fighters. There's going to be interviews coming up with PFL fighters, with UFC fighters over the next coming months. I'm working on some big things. Thank you for listening. Adios.